Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with George Nang, the super sub with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Second place in the Eastern Conference right now. And George is making his way through Eastern Conference contenders. Landed a three-year, $26 million deal this offseason with the Cavs. And has played as they expected he would, a, an integral role off the bench. He played enforcer the other day. Well, maybe last week with Kobe White, right? There's some of that's that's part of the job, George, right? Role player, get into yeah. some shit with some guys, right? And yeah, I, I guess that also is part of the reason why they they bring you in to to be a, a solid role player. I never really thought of myself as that, but uh, I'll take that accolade if I can. You know, George, it's interesting, and your listen, your path to the NBA is more common. Listen, there's more guys you look around your locker room who've had your path than our Donovan Mitchell or Joel Embiid or, and it's, you know, second round pick, uh, G League waived, G League with G League deal with, you know, that's in Indiana, then a, a G League deal in Utah. And you're trying to claw your way. You're trying to find, can I figure out how I can fit into this league and how I can stay? Uh, when you think about, George, what it has meant for you, what you have learned about being a role player in the NBA that you didn't really know, you can't know until you start doing it. And it's more than being a 40% three-point shooter like you and being able to uh, to come in and guard people. W- what have you learned about what gives you staying power in this league that goes beyond just where the data says you land on, um, you know, analytically shooting the ball, all of those things that are important. Yeah. I mean, obviously my journey to through the NBA or to the NBA hasn't really been like a sexy one. Like you said, I mean, it's, you know, hard work over the course of time and, add in a little luck and I've been lucky enough to be in situations with good coaches whether if it was you know Quinn Snyder Doc Rivers and um, so uh, I've been lucky enough to go along the way and play along with some good players but you know I think there's a fine line that people don't understand about you know role players in the NBA unless you're actually in it whether that's you know the guy that's able to be the glue that keeps it all together you know I was talking to someone the other day you know a role player is kind of the guy that has to show everybody on the team that, you know, sacrifice can lead to bigger and better things. Um, you know, as we know in this league, there's superstars and there's guys that are pegged to get their minutes, their shots. Um, but guys that are the role players and the glue that, you know, keep the team together, uh, um, sacrificing shots, sacrificing minutes, sacrificing accolades to kind of just make it all work and, in gel, I think there's something to be said for that. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, whether that's you're speaking up in meetings or being the first guy in, the last guy out. And I know it sounds cliche, but, you know, all of those small things kind of tend to build careers for role players. Like, I'm not the first person to do it, and I'm not going to be the last person to do it. But I don't think people understand or the everyday person understands the hard work and uh and grind that goes into that you know obviously it's a i would say it's somewhat of a self selfless job because you know a lot of superstars are getting the accolades and they truly deserve that but there's definitely things behind the scenes where a lot of role players in this league you know don't get a lot of credit for but uh serve a huge purpose for and from team to team and then of course you are not 
I don't think you've arrived as a player in the NBA until you have your own podcast. Yeah. And that's coming. We'll get into that. It's the Bench Seat Podcast. You'll be co-hosting with Kevin Spees, and that will be early March, right? People can start looking for that. Go on and subscribe. Um, we, we will get to that a little bit later, George. But you said something about that I think is really interesting. And I know in Utah, in your time there, um, Philadelphia, now Cleveland, you said speaking up. And do you remember the first time you had, maybe it's the courage, to call bullshit in the locker room about something going on or in a film session or on the court? Because I think sometimes when you play with Donovan, you play with Donovan and Rudy in Utah, you played with the guys in Philly, there's always stuff going on. People get into it. It is the daily life in the NBA. More stuff goes on than anyone knows about. And, so, and usually it's just over in an hour or two. But can you remember the first time you stepped into a situation and said, I've earned the right to have a voice on this matter right here. Um, you know, I, I would probably say it was probably in my later years in Utah, but I was lucky enough to be in a culture over in Utah where, you know, speaking up with guys that have had experience and proven that they could do it was, you know, something that was asked upon. Uh, you know, one of my veteran guys that I got to grow under was Joe Ingles. And if anybody knows him, he's never been afraid to speak his mind or speak out. Ever. And by the way, this the, one of the nicknames that never took off in this league and should have the Splash Uncles, right? <laughs> yeah. Who came up with that? Uh, you, you, and you and Ingles were the Splash Uncles. I have no idea who, who came up with that. It's but, pretty good know, though. Twitter takes off, and I guess we missed a huge payday with the Splash Uncles, <laughs> and he, he left me with the nickname of the minivan. So I guess it all kind of uh, plays mm -hmm. out. But no, I would definitely say in my you know later years. In Utah, you know, after, you know, coming in and being a two-way and people seeing your grind and then kind of establishing yourself as a role player, uh, playing in the playoffs. Um, I don't remember a specific moment, but I remember, I think all of us remember, you know, the the drama that we had in, in Utah before, you know, COVID un unfolded. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it ended up coming full circle, right? A lot of guys, you know, sometimes can't recover from, you know, what had happened between, you know, when you talk about Donovan and Rudy, and I think, you know, there was a point in moment where I think a bunch of us spoke up and were like, hey, like, you know, we have an opportunity to do something great. Let's not let something like this that, you know, COVID is kind of in the rearview mirror, you know, obviously, um, you know, hold us back from achieving something that, you know, we've all came here and stayed here to achieve. And I think, you know, we ended up falling short, but that year was a, a magnificent year i think we finished first in the nba um obviously you know donovan's injury mike conley's injury kind of hindered us you know in the playoffs but you know i think that was one of the first times where you know you know hey like we have an opportunity to do something great um and let's continue to keep that in the forefront rather than like my feelings are hurt over what happened or what didn't happen uh during the whole covid situation you mentioned Utah. There's somebody I, I talked to before we visited here who said to me about you that you told him that you owe him a car for believing in him, that he was the first guy who really believed in you uh, in the NBA. Is that obvious who that is to you when I say that? Uh, I want to say it's either one or two people. It's either Alex Jensen or probably Quinn Snyder. Actually, it was a third person, Dennis Lindsay. 
You're right. I, I texted him. I texted him. He, well, I was, I was thinking more coaches, but right. Uh, yeah, I do because, um, you know, when I was, I thought that I blew an opportunity to play in the NBA when I got cut from Indiana, and I was lucky enough to go play in Golden State during training camp and play with their G League team. And, you know, it was kind of like a standstill, right? You know, I was playing halfway through the year, and it was all the way up to the showcase. And there was kind of really no traction uh, until, you know, Dennis came along and, you know, offered me a two-way. And I'll never forget, you know, I was, you know, coming in the gym, and Dennis has always had this quirk of doing laps, walking laps around the gym. I think it's like a GM thing or a president of basketball operations thing where, you know, he uh, – you know, would walk around and he is my first time, you know, getting to meet him face to face after talking to him on the phone once he signed me to a two way. And he essentially was like, you know, smart players stick here in Utah. And, you know, we think you're a smart player and, and we believe in what you can do. Now it's totally on you to go out there and, you know, make the most of your opportunity. He was like, you know, I know you're going to get an opportunity. If you're going to be prepared, that's going to be totally on you and, and what you do here um, to prepare yourself. And, uh, it worked out, you know, it put me in a perfect situation to learn from a bunch of veteran guys and then under a coach like Quinn Snyder. And then I was lucky enough to, you know, leapfrog that to play in Philly uh, mm -hmm. with another, you know, great coach in Doc Rivers, which allowed me to then, you know, as people would say, you know, get paid. And uh, I think that's when I texted, you know, <laughs> Dennis, you know, I owe you uh, a car because uh, <laughs> right. If it wasn't for him believing in me, I don't know what it would have looked like. I I know before I was looking at, you know, going overseas and, you know, you got to figure out a way to make money. Uh, but because of his belief and, you know, thoroughly thinking that, you know, I can help, you know, the Utah Jazz and I had an opportunity to grow. Um, I, I owe him a lot and I'm truly thankful, you know, for his belief in me because I don't know where I'd be without it. George, do you have maybe a better appreciation? There's a lot of players Whoever drafted Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Joel, they were going to have great careers. They'd be different careers. But players like you, a Joe Ingles, if you don't land when you did in a Utah with a Quinn Snyder who knew how to maximize your talents, you guys fit with the players they had, do you wonder sometimes if you don't, when you got cut from the Warriors, and you don't go to Utah, you just end up overseas, and do you ever get the opportunity to come back? Is that overdramatic, or is that the re reality for guys like you who um, who have to convince people they fit in the league? Yeah, I think that is a reality. And, yes, there are some circumstances where guys go overseas and you know they, they come on back over. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure that my game kind of fits that mold, right? You know, guys that are coming back are – you know, guys that, you know, are playing defense and, you know, three and D guys, you know, I, a teammate that I had Royce O'Neal, you know, that happened to him. He went overseas and, and came back. But I think once you're in the league, go over there, it's extremely tough to come back. I think when you have these conversations, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, an honest conversation that your agent has with you is, you know, if you go overseas, you know, at some point it kind of does you know, hinder your opportunity to come back. Um, but, you know, not to get off topic, but, you know, having a, a coach like Quinn Snyder, uh, I don't think people realize how, you know, 
well-spoken he is when he's you know teaching players and then just how engaged he is not only with you as a player but as a person you know when i first came in the league there was 17 you know spots because there were two two ways mm -hmm. and i remember all of us were practicing and each one of us had like a hoop after practice you know to get your workout in and there was like eight or nine ten hoops in utah with the two courts and he made his way around to every hoop almost every single day and was like peppering guys with what he thought they could work on or what they do really well and how that really helps the team whether if you were playing or weren't playing it's like he's constantly thinking of how he could better his team better his guys and when you really feel like you have someone that uh truly believes in you that's leading you you just want to go above and beyond not just for your own personal goals but for him because he believes in you and i think everybody knows in this league like uh you know it's tough because sometimes you you don't play as well and people ride you off but uh, you know if you have someone that's a firm believer in, in what they have in you it makes you want to prove that and prove it alongside them another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. George, having been with Donovan in Utah, then being away from him a couple years in Philly and now rejoining him in Cleveland, same guy, same player, different. What, what have you seen evolve? You guys went through – there was a lot of stuff in Utah, and I think a lot of people involved learned a lot, did a lot of growing, um, have some thoughts when they get further away from it. But what, what have you seen with Donovan this year that, that uh, may look a little different than – the guy he left a couple of years earlier. Yeah. You know, and I think from a mature standpoint, like he's grown up extremely. Like I think he's just focused on what actually matters. And, uh, and that's, you know, making sure that he's ready, you know, every single night, not saying that he wasn't in Utah, but uh, you know, when you're a young star in fame or stardom, you know, comes that way, that's a lot to handle. And you have to have a routine to kind of just like block out all of that. And if anybody who knows Donovan, he is so uh, routine based that it's mm -hmm. even stricter now. And he's like, you can make fun of him. You could try and distract him, but he's just diligent about his work. And I think that's why you've seen him grow from all-star to all NBA to now, you know, leading this team uh, to second in the East. And then, um, you know, I think off the court, I think he's realized who he is, you know, he's coming to his own. He, he is Donovan Mitchell. I think, you know, when you're a young guy, like I was, you know, saying before, and there's a lot of things coming your way, uh, it's easy to kind of like lose track of, you know, who you are or, or, or where you're going. And I think he knows who he is. Um, and, 
does a lot of great things, not just for us on the basketball court, but I think he's always been a good person in the community, you know, whether if that's reaching out and helping young kids. I know um, his mother was a, a teacher, so he's always involved, mm -hmm. you know, with helping schools, whether that's in Ohio or that's in his, you know, hometown in, in Connecticut. Um, he's grown in that aspect. But I think from from a, a, a basketball standpoint, he knows what he's looking for out there and he's making the right play. And I think that's why, you know, you saw when we were rolling in, uh, uh, in the last, you know, 20 plus games, you know, whether if he's getting double teamed and making the right play, directing traffic, you know, he's grown so much in that aspect that, you know, this is where guys go from stars to superstars to all NBA and uh, start having, you know, the best uh, years of their career. George, pretty wild couple years in Philly. Like, there was a lot going on there. Yeah. The wildest thing you walked in and saw in Philly that you can share. There's probably 10 you can't, but that's probably yeah. true almost anywhere. But but were you, like, just, there were some, there was just a lot of stuff. What, what was, yeah, when you walk in one day and went, what is going on here today? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I don't think we can shy, we should shy away from it. I think, you know, the whole Ben Simmons thing was crazy, right? You know, I sign a deal there. I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm going to play with a, you know, a passing, you know, point guard that's going to come in and, you know, he's probably loves playing alongside shooters. And that's what I am. He'll get into the lane and kick out. And then you hear that, you know, he doesn't, you know, want to meet with the team. He doesn't want to come back. And then when he does come back, it was almost like having, you know, 16 guys and one guy that just wanted no part of it. You know, whether if it's walking by in hallways, not saying anything to anybody. It was just a a, a peculiar, you know, situation where I came from Utah where, you know, everybody was for everybody. And this one kind of just was like, you know, what – what did we do to you as a as players that you don't you know want to speak to us? And I get there's you know definitely you know other things that you know went along with it and why he acted the way he did, but that was uh, pretty wild. And then just the coverage on it, like saying he had yeah. a cell phone in his pocket, you know. <laughs> so then while I'm in while I'm doing drills, I'm like looking in his pocket, like that's not a cell phone. I think it was his jersey, but <laughs> you know. And it's just uh, it was so tough because. I was so used to being in a place where it was just like strictly basketball and we never really had any drama minus like the small stuff with COVID in Utah. And we were so far out West that now we're like an hour and a half away from New York and like every media outlet was on it. And it was on ESPN when you'd go back to the house and it was, it was just, I was distracted when it was like trying to be training camp and it wasn't just about basketball. It was about everything Allison, it, it it dragged out for quite a while. I mean, I think you know you got yeah. to run it every single day. Yeah, He's where been you know, there is he not there? Is he coming? I remember the night that I found out he arrived at the arena, and he just showed up at I think your first preseason game to report. I think to start getting paid, he technically reported, and he just showed up. They didn't know he was coming, and here he is. It he went through. I think he went through security, and the security was like, "Oh, hey, it's Ben Simmons, right?" It just yeah. Right. No, it was super peculiar. And then like coming, it, it was, it was weird. It was like coming to, to pregame walkthrough, but then not being at the game for the arena. It was just like, it was a, a, a lot, but I think it brought our group closer uh, that we had it. And I think people underestimate that about like doc, 
is that he does a really good job of like when their backs are up against the wall with whether if it's like coming together as one of unifying us and i think we did that we were like i think we were a top four team in the east um missing ben and you know it's kind of helped the trajectory of a guy like tyrese maxi who has took that and ran with it you know not to say that he wouldn't have done that if ben did play but you know he took those opportunities and now he's a, he's a first-time all-star and he's on his way to being a superstar george you had teams in utah that had been to the second round in Philly that went to the second round. Is it possible this is the best team you've played on Oof. in Cleveland? Um, you know, that's tough because, uh, you know, I'll always have a – I hate to look in the rearview mirror, mm. but that team last year that we had, I'll always have uh, – what, what's the right word mm. for it? I'll always have, like, I don't want to say soft spot, but an empty spot, you know, in my heart, you know, for that team because I really thought, you know – we had enough um, top to bottom head coaching, you know, players. I definitely think we did. And, you know, it sucks to that, you know, I don't like to relive it, but we were up, you know, three, three, two in that series and had a closeout game at home that, you know, didn't go as planned. Um, so that one is tough, but I do think the depth that we have on this team in Cleveland is definitely uh, the deepest team, man, you know, that I've, Played on, and we have uh, superstar talent when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, Darius, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen has been playing at an all-star level, and then you bring in the toughness of, you know, Max Struess, and then the ability to score off the bench with, you know, Karis Levert, and then you have a lockdown defender and Isaac, and and bigger defenders and Dean Wade, and then you have me and Sam Merrill who's come on the scene. So we have so many. Uh, weapons and you know a, a veteran guy that's been there before that's one thing that you you really do need in tristan thompson is mm -hmm. someone that's been to the mountaintop and uh knows what it took especially in cleveland so i listed off like 12 guys there and all of them play a huge role in the depth of this team so to answer your question i would say this is probably the the best team you know and has the you know the most depth um the thing that you know we're all striving for here now is you know, continue to prove that. I know Cleveland kind of got a black eye from, you know, what people thought about them after the Knicks series, but um, we're focused on us and continuing to be a tough team to to beat. And our main focus is winning a championship, but getting that day by day, not uh, looking too far ahead. George, what's the difference when you're a free agent like you were this year, where there, where you know there's an opportunity to get multiple years at more money, maybe more than you've made annually, yeah. and you never know how many of these chances you're going to get. You end up doing three years, twenty six million. The stress of that compared to early in your career was: can we get? Can I get a standard NBA deal? Can I get a guaranteed NBA deal? Can I? Can I get off the two way? Yeah. But like this contract. It gives you some security, gives you some breathing room in life. Um, what, what is that kind of free agency like? And then it's also finding the place where, like you said, where you can impact. I think your value is on really good teams, right? Your value is on a good team. Um, yep. And that's a good thing. But what's that like to go through? Um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It was as much as I should have been able to breathe a little easier. 
um, you know, I think everybody knows, you know, free agency is like musical chairs, right? You, if you take too long and, and, and miss out on an opportunity, you don't know if there'll be another one coming along. So, and, and that aspect is, you know, right when, you know, free agency starts, um, there's suitors and, and teams that you want. Um, but there could be one that's a really good fit, but they need to make a couple trades and that may be a day or two in and that trade may eventually fall through and you may never, you know, get to the money or the opportunity that you saw fit. So leading up to that, it was kind of, you know, a stressful thing, you know, you know, talking to your agent about strategy and what they think is going to happen compared to, you know, what is actually going to happen. Um, it's definitely a eerie feeling, but you know, to think that I was playing for 50 grand, you know, five years ago um, on a standard, you know, G League contract to then be able to know that, you know, I was going to be sought after as a, you know, a free agent in, you know, and this um, in, in this year's free agency was something that kind of kept me at ease. I always remembered like, you know, you want to hit high when you're when you want to get paid and you want to play in a good situation. But at the end of the day, you know, I did come from a situation where I was fighting to get one less non-guaranteed year on a on a team option mm -hmm. or a, a three-year non-guaranteed deal. Um, so to, to say that, you know, I've come a long way, but free agency is a, is a stressful time. I don't care who you are. As much as you want to be humble and think about where you've come from, you know, you're, you always want the best for yourself and you always want a little bit more. So... Uh, you see plenty of stories where guys are like, oh, you know, I, I think I should have got this or I should get this. Um, so it, it's it's tough. It was, you know, humbling, but it was the best free agency that I've ever had. You know, my agent, Mark Bartlestein, does a great job. And he put me in a situation where, you know, shooting was needed. Uh, veteran leadership was needed. And it allowed me to be me. And uh, I think before that, you know, me and him had talked, you know, when I was in Utah and he told me, you know, Philly was a great opportunity because, you know, Mike Scott was leaving. They needed a, mm -hmm. a backup four that could shoot. And it was like a match made in heaven. I went over there. I made 300 plus threes in two years and kind of helped me leapfrog in my career to establish myself with who I am and what I can do. And, and now I've taken that to Cleveland. And now we've improved, you know, throughout the whole year, started out slow in ninth and now we're in second. And, and now, you know, everything that he's told me as an agent, has kind of been honest and open and what I need to work on. And, and it has led me to where I am today. And, and he's a huge uh, reason for that. Yeah. And it's funny, your, your agent, Mark Bartlestein, this was a team in Cleveland, George, that needed to improve their bench, needed shooting. And it was right. It was two of his, his clients, you, you and Max Struess come together and, you know, fill that void for a team that, um, and we've seen it, uh, We've seen it in the regular season, and I think the thought is it's going to pay off. Certainly, uh, in the playoffs, and and you got a podcast out of this, right? The Bench Seed Podcast. You and Kevin Spees uh, debuting sometime next month in March, early March, so people can start looking, right, George, and start subscribing online soon uh, yeah. to to your new pod. It's going to be on uh, all platforms. It's the the Bench Seed Podcast. You know, me and Kevin. Uh, Spies, uh, also Spies. known as the, also known as the the grill guy on uh, Instagram for, but it's just basically going to be you know a sports coverage show with a little comedic twist. I mean, I Woj, I think you know my personality. You know, I can only stay serious for 
the amount of time I'm on the court. And then after that, I'm uh, always joking around. So it'll just be fun, you know, carefree, you know, comedic spin to it. But also, you know, I've always grown up loving all sports, whether it's hockey, soccer, basketball. Um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a lover of sports. And if I get an opportunity, you know, on on air and work on my craft, you know, post basketball, I'm going to do that, especially talking about sports. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll leave this one to your podcast, George, but I, I've, I'm always fascinated with your story. It's mind boggling to me that Boston college did not recruit you <laughs> and you went to Iowa state. I don't even know how that's possible yes. that BC didn't recruit you, Yeah, but we'll, that may be for your debut episode. Yeah, we can we can make that a debut episode. We'll have yeah, you please on. please address it because you know I grew up in New England. I loved watching those great. One of my high school, a good friend of mine that I grew up with in Bristol, Connecticut, who also works at ESPN, Malcolm Huckabee. Uh, wow. I played so Malcolm and Malcolm's older brother and I played um, middle school baseball together. And Malcolm was younger. Martin was a year younger. Anyway. So I always rooted for BC because Malcolm went there. He played on those Billy Curley, Howard Isley teams, and he was broadcasting a game there recently. It was like Louisville, and the building was empty. And I just texted him during the game. This has to break your heart of like, I just grew up with BC basketball. Jay Murphy, who I saw play in high school in Connecticut. And like whenever I see these New England guys who they could have had and they miss on, I don't know. Anyway, that's just more my parochial. Well, you want to know it's a funny story. Funny story is over all-star break, uh, I went home to Boston just to kind of like recharge. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Boston College game. It was me and my trainer, uh, Joey Burton. And uh, I look across, and they're playing Miami. So who's over there uh, across the court? Terrence Mann, Bruce Brown. And I walk over there, and they're all BABC guys. We all play in the same AU team. And I'm like, can you believe that none of us went here? And they were all like, oh, it was all you. If you went there, we all would have went. And I was like, you can't say that because I never had a scholarship. But I just think (laughs) about all the Massachusetts kids that, you know, didn't go there. And uh, I don't want to say it's a shame because it's in the rearview mirror. It it happened. BC's doing a great job this year. Um, But what could have been, that could have been, you know, special. You think about the idols that, you know, we've looked up to. I think all. All of us are close to, you know, the Chris Herons of the world. A lot yeah. of us know the, the Jared Dudleys, the Craig Smiths, the Sean Marshalls. Mm-hmm. Um, they always had that Tyrese. overachieving guy who wasn't heavily recruited, Al Skidder and Bill Cohen. They would find these overachieving guys and won, and it changed. They never quite got it right again. And, you know, Jim, like Billy Curley, and we're turning this into a Boston College basketball podcast. There's probably... <laughs> A limited audience for that, George. But uh, anyway, listen, thank you for jumping on. Good luck with the new pod. And more importantly, good luck with the rest of the season. I know I'll see you in the playoffs on the road, George, but uh, I appreciate you jumping in with me. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today. Cleveland Cavaliers forward George Niang. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod. Wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to also listen to the Adam Schefter podcast with my good friend Adam Schefter. We'll catch you next time.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.